Amen. Wow, that was well done. Thank you, Danielle. And I was listening to see if you were going to hit that high note. And sure enough, you got it smack on. So that was really well done. God bless you for that. Well, please have your Bible open at the book of Isaiah, chapter number nine. You know, it's only 12 days till Christmas, right? There's a song about that on the 12th day of Christmas and so on. Last Lord's Day, we talked about... Um, uh, the nativity, the nativity star. And we also talked about the wise men. And there's some uh, rumor going around here about a wise man on the loose. And I think maybe, maybe pastor Tim is one of those three wise men. I'm not sure, but um, boy, I really want you to come to the uh, drive through nativity. I think you're very, very much going to enjoy it. So last, last Lord's day, we talked about the nativity star and today I'd like to talk about the prophecy of his birth. Now that's here in Isaiah chapter nine. We're going to be doing this under the question. How wonderful is Jesus to you? How wonderful is he to you? I got thinking about the number of hymns that we sing Christian songs and hymns that deal with the, the wonder of Jesus. And there's a lot of them. And I jotted down a few See if you recognize these uh, wonderful, wonderful Jesus is to me. Counselor, Prince of Peace, mighty God is he. That's one of them. Another one, uh, wonderful grace of Jesus reaching to all the lost. And how about a wonderful savior is Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful savior to me. That's another good one, isn't it? And uh, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. And another one, isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful. Maybe you can think of a few more, but I think there's a lot of them. Now here in the Bible, in Isaiah chapter number nine and verse number six, if you look at it there, his name shall be called wonderful, wonderful. Now that name, that word wonderful, it literally means full of wonder. And wonder means astonishment. Something that really makes you astonished, astounded, amazed. That's the idea of wonder. Uh, another hymn comes to mind. Oh, the wonder of it all that God should love me. Boy, that's an amazement, really, when you think of it, that God, almighty God, perfect and so far above anything we can possibly think or imagine that he should set his love upon you and me. That is a wonder that truly is. You know, there's so many people in the world who don't realize that God is a God of love and God has given Jesus this name of wonderful. Now in Philippians chapter two, it says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father and beloved that is going to happen. That literally will happen one day. Now, it's happening already in our hearts. Those of us who know him as Lord and savior, while we venerate the name of the Lord Jesus as something wonderful, 
before I became a Christian on April the 6th, 1975, prior to that, when I would hear the Lord's name taken in vain, I'd think nothing of it because I used to do it myself. But after I came to know him as savior, all of a sudden his name became wonderful and very precious to me. And oh, I would cringe when people would take his name in vain. And I still do. His name is wonderful. Many years ago, the musicians, Bill and Gloria Gaither, they wrote a song entitled, there's something about that name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name, master, savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Now, our question for you today is very simple. How wonderful is Jesus to you today? How wonderful is he? Let's have a word of prayer and let's see if we can find out. Dear, loving, wonderful, heavenly father, we adore you and thank you. We humble ourselves once again and confess our need. And we are but children of dust. And thank you. Thank you that you've set your love upon us and sent Jesus to die for our sins upon the cross. Heavenly father, I pray for everyone watching this service and watching and listening to this message. Lord, I do ask that if there be one even who does not yet know you as personal Lord and Savior, you would arouse them, awaken them to their need of Christ and show them that it's only by receiving Christ as a free gift that they can have eternal life. Father, bless all that is said and done, please, here in this time here, this preaching. May this sermon be pleasing in your sight and may you use it to strengthen the faith of your people. And we'll be careful to praise and thank you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Well, let me give you just a little short bit of context here on what Isaiah is all about here. The Isaiah, the prophet served the Lord during these turbulent times um, in all of Israel. As most of you know, they had civil war and the nation was cut in two and there was 10 tribes in the, the Northern section and they were referred to as Israel. And then the Southern two tribes were just known as Judah and things were literally falling apart for everyone. And the Babylonian captivity wasn't too far off. Now, Isaiah here spoke to the, to the Southern two tribes of Judah and to their King Ahaz and uh, Judah and Ahaz, they were afraid of the Northern 10 tribes because the Northern 10 tribes had made a partnership with the nation of Syria and Syria was big and powerful. And so uh, they were all threatening war with Judah. And so they were afraid. So Isaiah prophesied about Judah's coming captivity, about their exile into um, uh, Babylon and about their return back into their land. But he included two, count them, two prophecies about a child who would represent God's presence and who would govern his people. The first prophecy is in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
That name Emmanuel means God with us. God is with us. And the second prophecy is here in chapter nine. Look at it in your Bible. Verse number six, read it out loud with me, please. For unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Now, who is this? Who's it talking to? We have the benefit today of all of this Christian history behind us. But more than that, we have the benefit of the whole Bible having been written and completed. And we can sort of look back on history and we can see, we can see who it is in John chapter one, verse 14. It says, and the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. It's talking about Jesus, this one, this child to be born, whose name would be wonderful counselor, uh, the mighty God, hmm? Uh, the, the, um, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. This one is Jesus. We can see that. But I'd like us to take a little closer look here at this prophecy in chapter nine and verse six. And so let's look at this again for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given. Now, why is it repeated like that? Is it just being poetical? Is that why? I don't think so. Keep your marker there. Keep your place in Isaiah chapter nine. And I'd like you to turn back, turn over, turn to the right to the gospel of Matthew. Do that now. Would you please Matthew chapter one? I'd like you to see something together here with me. I think you'll find it interesting. Matthew chapter one. Okay. You got that Matthew chapter one. Now there's two perspectives to the Lord Jesus two perspectives. And the first perspective is from earth. It's what we see. It's what you and I would see in, in this unto us, a child is born. Now look at Matthew chapter one. Look please at verse 21. Here's the prophecy. And she shall bring forth a child. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So there's the first perspective we have Isaiah chapter nine and verse six It begins by saying unto us, a child is born. That's what we see here on earth. That's our perspective here on earth, but there's another perspective and that perspective is in heaven. And for this, I'd like you to turn over a page or two to chapter three, chapter three of Matthew. So Isaiah said unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given. You see that? A child is born. A son is given. A child is born is what we see. A son is given. That's what the father sees. Matthew chapter three 
And look, please, at verse uh, number 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hey, look at that. We've got the perspective of earth and we've got the perspective of heaven. All referred to here uh, in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. You see, Jesus is not just a child. He's not just a child. He's not just a, um, a child being born. He's a son being given. He's the very son of almighty God. He is divinity. Jesus is divine. He's not just fully man, but he's fully God as well. And so you have those both mentioned here. Now look again, please go back to chapter nine of Isaiah and look, please at verse number six, for unto us, a child is born comma unto us, a son is given. And then you have what the grammarians call a colon C O L O N. It's a dot over top of a dot. It is not a comma. It is not a period. It is not a question mark. It is not an exclamation mark. It is a colon. Say, what's a colon? A colon is a little grammatical device. And we put it in there to set up two parts of an equation. And so the colon separates the two parts. Now the two parts of the equation have a lot in common. But the second part helps to explain and amplify the first part. Now we do this all the time when we talk about what time is it? And we say, well, it's 1105. And the way we would write that is we put 11 and then we put a colon and then we put an 05. So 11 colon 05, there's the equation. The colon separates both sides of the equation. Now they're common in that they're both uh, a measurement of time. They both deal with time, but the second part amplifies or explains a little more about the first part. It's not just 11. It's 1105. You see the, the purpose of the colon. And that's what we have here in verse six. For unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given. And so we have this colon, which is setting up a, a second statement here. And this second statement will give us further details about the first statement. And so this second statement describes what the coming Christ will do. You see point number one of this sermon is we see the coming Christ into the world or the Messiah. That's what Christ is. Uh, Christ is the Greek word. Messiah is the Hebrew word. They both mean the same thing. They mean the anointed one from God. That's what a Messiah means. That's what Christ means. One is Hebrew. One is Greek. It's the same meaning Christ and Messiah. Point one, we see this coming of the Messiah, the Christ into the world. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. That's point one of the sermon. Point number two is secondly, we see the coming of Christ's kingdom into the world. So first we saw the, the coming Christ. Now we see the kingdom of the coming Christ. It says here in verse number six, after the colon, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You see that here we have now the coming kingdom. Now it's interesting that it says upon his shoulder, the shoulder is an amazing part of the human anatomy. The shoulder has the widest range of movement of any of the joints in the body. The shoulder has something like 20 muscles attached to it. The shoulder can go through a variety of different contortions and movements. It's an amazing invention of God, the creator, but the shoulder is also able to support a tremendous amount of weight. Uh, Our shoulders are strong. They're designed to be strong over in the Eastern countries. Still to this day, there are many women who carry these heavy jugs of water up on their shoulders as they, as they walk along. Um, The American football, they get down and they get ready, set hike and they charge each other. And the American football player will try to take out his opponent using his shoulders and, you know, have this heavy plowing into him and knock him down off his feet with his shoulders. There's of course the old saying of uh, putting one's shoulder to the wheel. And that speaks of putting in a lot of effort in order to get a, a heavy job done. Sometimes we say shoulder the load. Now I'll give you an example from the Bible in Joshua chapter four, verse five, it says, and Joshua said unto them, pass over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of Jordan. That's the river Jordan. This is when it was God parted the river Jordan and it was dry down there. So into the midst of Jordan, take ye up every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder. So this wasn't a little pebble. This was to be a good sized chunk of rock. And he was going to hoist that thing up and get it on his shoulder where he could carry it. Put it on the shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel. So there were 12, 12 big rocks, big stones. They got out of the, the Jordan. Now, if one shoulder can support that much weight, two shoulders can support even more. I got an example for you out of the book of Judges, chapter 16, verse 3. It talks about Samson. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts. This was a tremendous amount of weight weighing thousands of pounds. It says he took them and went away with them bar and all. That's the bar that would hold them closed. And he put them upon his shoulders, plural, and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. You know something? The Lord Jesus is even greater. The Lord Jesus is so great that all of the earth's government will rest upon just one of his shoulders. He is so strong, so powerful. He uses his shoulders, but he doesn't need both. He only needs one. He is so powerful and so strong. He'll carry all the weight of the, of governing the whole world upon his shoulder. That's what it says here in 
Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. And so this is the second part of that equation. But I want you to notice it's not over. Look what's at the end of the word shoulder. You have another colon, another colon. You don't see this too often in the Bible, although it does happen a few times. It's not just one colon, it's two. So we have not just two pieces. We actually have a third piece of the puzzle, a third part. And this third part is going to give us even more explanation of the first two parts. And so this will be the third point of the sermon today. The first part is we see the coming of Christ into the world unto us. A child is born unto us. A son is given. Secondly, we see the coming of Christ's kingdom into the world and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And now thirdly, we see the conclusion of who Christ, the Messiah really is. We see who he really is. Now in the Bible, a person's name tells you something about that name. And you can do your own study on this and follow it through, but it reveals aspects of who this person is and what they're like. And here in, in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, it says, and his name shall be called. And you get these five descriptions here. Five descriptions. Number one is wonderful. And I've already told you the word wonder means to be amazed. And so Christ is his full of wonder and amazement and still true to this day. He is you read and follow him in the gospels and you'll find that to be true. You read about his life and follow his life along and he performed miracles and he preached great sermons. And when the smartest of the smarty pants came to try to shut him down with their wisdom and logic, he sent them running with their tail tucked between their legs because they ran back and they said, never a man spake like this. They took, he took their arguments and turned them right around and showed them the folly and fallacy of their own words. They packed their bags and took off. They hated them because of it. He was smarter than they were even at 12 years of age. Even at 12 years of age, the Lord Jesus sat there amongst the doctors of the law and were asking them hard questions. Oh, I tell you, our Lord Jesus, he's wonderful. He is wonderful, wonderful. Ah, oh, praise his name. But he's not only wonderful, he's counselor. He is counselor. He's full of good advice and counsel for your life and for mine. He's not only wonderful and counselor, but he's the mighty God. That's what it says. That's why we know that Jesus is divine. God in the flesh. He is divine deity folks. You know, if the only description we had here was just wonderful and counselor, well, that might apply to a human being. We might use those words on this man or this woman, but wait a minute. Whoa, time out. 
when you start getting into these next descriptive words here, it leaves man far behind. When God sent Moses in to free the children of Egypt, God started performing some miracles. He turned the water into blood. Pharaoh called for his magicians. You know, those magicians were very, very clever, very smart. They knew how to do sleight of hand. They knew how to do magic tricks. And they also performed this similar one. In fact, before that, even Moses threw his rod down, it became a serpent. And so Pharaoh called his magicians. They threw their rods down. They turned into serpents too. But Moses' serpent swallowed up the magician's serpents. Anyhow, at some point in those plagues in Egypt, the magicians came to Pharaoh and said, this is beyond us. We can't duplicate these things. They said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This was far beyond them. And we know that looking at those 10 plagues, only God could have done these things. Here, we've got the description of this child, this son. Wonderful. Yes. Counselor. Yes. All of a sudden now the mighty God. Whoa, that leaves man out of the picture, but it doesn't stop there. Look at the description. Number four, the everlasting father. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can this be? How can the son be the father? There's only one possible explanation. Deity. Deity. He's far greater, far stronger, far wiser, far greater than anything we can possibly think or imagine. You know, these people who seem to think that they'll take God and they'll put him under their microscope and they'll tune him in. Ah, yes, this is God down here. This is all about God. Oh, listen, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They're fools. God cannot be put under a microscope. You cannot say, well, I know, I know all there is to know about God. You're a fool. God is so far, far beyond us. Can you imagine an earthworm? An earthworm thinking he knows all about a human. Not going to happen, folks. That lowly earthworm may know how to burrow in the dirt. That earthworm doesn't know much at all about humans. We're like that lowly earthworm compared to God. Only it's even greater distance. It's even a bigger gap because there is no end to God. He is infinite. He is so amazing. You know something in your King James Bible, you'll see the word Lord with capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that's how the translators of our King James Bible translated the, the name of God in the old Testament, Jehovah, Jehovah. They respected that name and they translated with capitals L O R D. Sometimes you'll see capital G capital O capital D you know, you're looking at the Hebrew word Jehovah. It's in capitals. Well, something interesting I find 
is that in Matthew chapter one, and we looked at it earlier, verses 21 and 25. In fact, you'll find they put the name of Jesus in capitals. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why they did that. Maybe they believed the Bible. That the Jesus of the new Testament is the Jehovah of the old Testament. They are the same folks. They are the same God. And here this son is our God. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father. And now he's called the Prince of peace. He is the only one who can bring peace to this world. The politicians have been trying to do it. They've got peace accords going on right now between some of the Muslim nations and Israel. And I see in the news this week where there's another Muslim nation signing on with a peace accord with Israel. You know, for many of us, Bible believing Christians, we're looking at what's happening and we're thinking, my, oh my, doesn't it sound exactly like what the Bible says will happen in the end days and how the, the antichrist is going to set up a seven year peace treaty with Israel. You say, what if you're wrong? Well, we might be, but isn't it interesting what we're seeing happening in the world today? Now, getting back to this descriptive uh, series of names concerning the Lord Jesus, let's look at it once again from just a, a little different perspective, shall we? His coming into the world was wonderful. No one, no one, no one has ever come into the world being born of a virgin. It has never, ever happened before. It will never, ever happen again. It was the one and the only way that God Almighty deemed important and necessary for him to come into the world. The only way. God Almighty, his name is Jesus Christ, was born of a virgin. That is full of amazement. It's full of wonder. His coming into the world is wonderful. Well, listen, just the fact that he would do it, he would want to come into the world and humble himself and take upon him the form of, of human flesh and to be a servant of God and man, that he would do that is a, in itself a wonder. Yes, his coming into the world was wonderful. As counselor, he taught us about God. He taught us to walk toward God. He said, this is the way walk ye in it. As counselor, he taught us the way to heaven. And it's not through good works. If you're watching today thinking you're going to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments or keeping all of the Mosaic law, you are falsely, falsely led. You are mistaken, my friend. The way to heaven is a free gift. God will give you heaven if you'll come through Jesus, if you will accept Jesus, repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. That's the promise of the Bible. If you're interested in learning more, if we can answer any questions, contact our office. That's what we're here for is to help you come to know Christ as savior. And to help make you strong in your faith. 
with the Lord. That's our job. And so as counselor, he taught us the way to heaven being God. That's the third part of the title, the mighty God being God. He died for our sins upon the cross at Calvary. He paid what we owe in hell. He made a payment sufficient to cover all of our sins. He died for you, my friend. He could only do it because he's God. And he rose again on the third day. He's alive. Other founders and religious leaders, they die and that's it. They're not coming out of the grave. But Jesus arose. Hallelujah. He's alive today. Number four, he ascended into heaven and sits on a throne next to God, the father. And number five, one day he's coming back to earth as the Prince of peace. Don't you love it? Amen. The question is my question for you is how wonderful, how wonderful is Jesus Christ to you? My friend, especially at Christmas time. Makes me think the crying baby just now makes me think of the Lord Jesus and how he came 2000 years ago. And he came because he loved you. How special, how wonderful is Jesus to you today? Is he wonderful? Is he really, do you realize how much Jesus Christ loves you? I want to tell you a story that happened some years ago. There was a little Christian school that was putting on a simple Christmas presentation for all of the parents and friends of the school. And the last song of the program was entitled Christmas love, Christmas love. I have a picture I want to put up and show you. And so 13 of these children were brought up to stand on stage in that little Christian school. And they were standing there at the front. They're all aglow, smiles on their faces. Each one of them held these, these letters. And now they actually held them behind their back. But in my picture, I have to put them up front. You'll see why. But they were holding the letters behind their back so no one could see the letters. And then one by one, they would pull out a letter and hold it up high so as to eventually spell the title of the song that they were planning to sing. The name of the song was Christmas love. And so starting with the first child, the letter C, the first child, she held up her letter. Let's see if we can get her. There we are. She held up her letter and uh, she, she proudly repeated the words of a poem. C is for the Christ child lying in a manger. And then the second child held up his letter. It was the letter H and he repeated a few more words of the poem. H is for the Holy one who saved us from all danger. And then the next child held up an R and said, R is to remember him who died that we may live. And the next child, I is to inspire us that we may always give. And S, 
S is for joyful songs and sacred hymns that praise. And then T is to thank the Lord for showing us the way. Now, as you can see, the idea here was to spell out the words Christmas love. And then all the children would sing their song and things were going along rather smoothly until suddenly the next child, a small quiet girl holding the letter M. She pulled it out from behind her upside down. And some of the children snickered, but she had no idea that they were laughing at her. And so she stood tall and proudly holding her letter W and Then the other children went and finished their letters, finishing the poem. And all of a sudden a hush came over the audience and the eyes began to widen. And maybe you can see it right now because in that instant, everyone understood a little better. The reason why we celebrate Christmas in the first place, because now you see the message read Christ was Love. And folks, he still is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means to die and go to hell, but have everlasting life. It's Christmas time. How wonderful is Jesus to you. For unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And I'm asking you today. Do you really love him because he's your Lord and savior? How wonderful is Jesus to you? If you really love him, do you bow before him daily? Do you worship him and give him thanks every day? Did you have your quiet time with God today? Did you slip alone and get alone with the Lord Jesus this morning? I sure hope you did. I sure hope every day you honor him as the mighty God. I sure hope every day you lay your life before him as a token, as an offering. You lay your life before him every single day and you worship him. I hope you get alone with him and let him be your counselor in the prayer chamber and let him show you the wonderful things he has in the Bible. You know, it might be a good idea for some of us to really honor the Lord at Christmas with our lives. And I hope that each and every one of you will give your heart again to Jesus as a Christmas gift. That's the best gift you can give him, you know, is your heart. And if you're watching today and you've never given Jesus your heart, you don't know what you're missing, the joy of having Jesus as savior, counselor, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he's a coming king too. 
and he's coming to take us home. Yes, he is. It's going to happen. It will happen. Will you be there with us? Will he take you along? If you're not sure about heaven, would you please get in touch with us? We can give you some Bible study material that'll show you everything you need to know in order to be sure that heaven is your home. Would you do that? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me in prayer. Our wonderful savior, Jesus, wonderful, wonderful. We love you with all our hearts and praise you at this time of year. Lord Jesus, please remind us each and every one of us that Christmas is not really about parties and food and gifts and, and uh, decorations. It's about you and rejoicing that you were born into this world. Lord, there may be others that have some crazy ideas about Christmas. And for some, it just may be parties and drinking and drugs for others. It may be money and material things and worldly things for others. It may be some sort of dead religious sort of uh, ceremonies. But for us who love you, who are born again, who are saved we can't help but express our joy and our worship and our thanks that you would come into this world. Oh, Lord Jesus, please have your own way in the hearts of your people. Please, I pray your blessing upon all those connected with Grace Baptist Church. I pray that you would meet and exceed needs and heal sicknesses and give joy and hope. And oh, Lord Jesus, manifest yourself to the world that others who don't know you yet as Savior would come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Please bless this time. This COVID all over the world, this COVID-19 is spoiling things, we think. But maybe, Lord, you can get yourself some great glory and do some wonderful miracles at this Christmas time in spite of COVID. Yea, because of COVID. So Lord bless, we pray in Jesus name. We ask, amen.